first servant who received five talents says, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents. And his Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Notice the smooth trans transitions. The servant immediately goes out and trades, doubling his money, so that when the Lord returns, he says, look, no complications, no doubts, no fear, simple, clear obedience, and happiness to show the prophet. You know when you've done something well. You just want to show it to your teacher, to your boss, your client, parent, or friend. Well done, good and faithful servant, says his Lord. Because you've been faithful in a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now everyone can nod their head. It is normal practice in any business. Those who show themselves to be diligent getting right to the job and doing it well, are to be promoted and rewarded. It's the same thing happens with a second servant who, had, who got two talents. Even though he didn't make the same as the first servant, his faithfulness and diligence paid off. Then the third servant, who received only one talent, approaches. Remember, it was all plenty of money as much as be made in a lifetime. But he says to his Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and went and hid your talents in the ground. He made no profit. He essentially blames the Lord for what happens. Sort of like Adam. This woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. So... It's her fault and God's fault. The servant says, look, here's what's yours. And what does the Lord say to him? Now, this is the kind of parable that Jesus used that says, this is obvious. This happens every day on earth. Wouldn't it be just if it happened in the kingdom of God? Those who are diligent, obedient, hardworking, are rewarded and promoted, and those who are lazy, scared, and not trusting in the goodness of God are cast out. But what does the Lord say to this servant? He says, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds. In the third servant's eyes, his Lord is a capitalist. It's the law of the market. He makes money from other people's work using his wealth and his servants. There is reward and punishment. The Lord continues, you could have deposited my money with the bankers and at my return, I would have received interest. The Lord could be saying, if you thought I was so harsh, why didn't you put your money in the bank and get some interest? Do you know that earning interest in Jesus' day was forbidden to the Jews? But why not do something? So, it seems the Lord would have been satisfied even with the interest. The burden, after all, of Jesus is light. Just don't bury it. 
take the talent away from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. What a hard but true reality in this life. Then the Lord says, Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're fired. It's normal business practice. Sounds harsh. And it sounds like salvation by works. It sounds like being judged just by what um, they've done in life. Where's the gospel? Where's the grace in this passage? Does this passage come down on the side of works versus grace? No. Grace is at the beginning of the story. The Lord gives each of them a fortune and doesn't say how to manage it. He expects his servant to do something with it, invest it in a business, profit from it, or at least deposit it in the bank and earn interest. His burden is light. This is about what we can do with grace. The undeserved gift. We are created, redeemed, and empowered by God for good works. First grace, then works. Works flow from grace. So let's apply this parable. We are all born into families. And we enjoy, as members, commonwealth and security. We have minds and bodies. We have gifts, talents, and particular abilities. Some of us have a lot. Some of us have less. And there are people in this world who seem to start with a deficit. Life itself is a gift. We didn't make ourselves. He is our creator. We found ourselves in the middle of life. There are three kinds of grace. Three undeserved gifts. The greatest gift is to know Jesus, his Father, and the Holy Spirit to be forgiven of our sins, and to be adopted into his family and kingdom. We in Canada have the advantages over many in the world. That is natural grace. Living in a peaceful nation, not at war, with education and resources to learn and be trained. We have abundance, most of us. Food kind parents, a church family. We can grow in the Lord. We can serve one another. And then the third is individual grace, which is our character and our talents. We are individuals, but we live interdependently. Jesus wants us to have exciting lives with risk, Possible successes, possible failures, an engaged life, 
be involved. Get your hands dirty. He wants us to realize our potential. Remember the very first commandment. Do you know it? Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> right in the, after the Garden of Eden, be fruitful and multiply. And now I'd like to speak to the young in our congregation. You each have grace. You have the grace of God. Jesus gave himself for you, and you are his son and his daughters. You have natural grace. That is, blessings of nature, the time and the place you're born in. You have each been given special talents and gifts. Find out about your talents with the help of school, parents, and church. Make your life count. Grow in strength and knowledge. Gain wisdom so that perhaps you can find that special someone, a helpmate to have a home and a family. Contribute to society. Provide for your family. Serve in the life of your church. All this do as unto the Lord, seeking his guidance and help in finding out what you're best at. That's your main job when you're young, to find out what you're best at and to do it with all your might. I discovered my vocation in grade one. Drawing was something I thought I was good at. I, I can see that none of the young people are actually drawing this morning. Usually when, when the young people are here, they're drawing, and I'm always a little bit jealous. <laughs> because I, I, would, I, I can draw a lot easier than I can sing. And um, my genie can attest to that. When I had to sing beside her, um, I would much prefer to draw all the angels singing in heaven than actually sing. But I love doing it. I was obsessed, even as a young person. I was highly productive. And it was confirmed to me when I was 21 that I should continue to be an artist. As I say, you would think that with an early start, I would be further along. But here we are. My testimony is about how God gave me a talent. I developed it, worked hard, offered it back to the Lord, and he confirmed it. I have spent my life putting everything I could into it. With his help, with the support of my genie and those who love me, that's how I got to where I am now. <clears throat> so I'd like to speak now to the mature and to parents. Now that you're in the middle of it, it's your life life's work, to work hard in the vocation you have discovered. It's your mission to love and provide for your children and to help them find what they do best and encourage them in learning and growing, being stronger and more responsible, that they might have vocations suited to their talents and be fulfilled. 
you parents are working hard so that you'll be able to say to the Lord in the end, look, these gifts and talents and children and disciples, these I give back to you. By the grace you gave me, I have multiplied. I have been fruitful and proclaimed through my very work and love the goodness and wonder of the Lord who works all in all. And for those of us who are older, as we reflect on our working lives and children raised, often there is more to be done. We continue to encourage and bless. Yes, the Lord is good. And his mercy is everlasting from this generation and forevermore. We look forward to the day we, when we can say, look, look what we have done with your help. Like the psalmist says when he is old, O oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now, also, when I am bald-headed, O oh God, do not forsake me, until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. In the name of the Lord, amen.